War Rocket Ajax is a podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out more at greenlitpodcasts.com. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's War Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Ah! Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I, is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen If you put a paper-like on there, and these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products, it also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the Internet's most destructive comic book and pop culture podcast. We are your hosts. My name 
is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm doing well because I have listened to the will of the people. The people have spoken. And we have a very special episode this week, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. How are you doing? Matt, I'm good. I am, in a very real way, better than I have been in quite some time. Mm, and, yes. and part of that, of course, is because, like a very wise man once said, we got to give the people what they want. Mm. And that's what we're doing in this episode. But we'll get into the other reasons why in a moment. Matt, Why? Is this episode, why are we at the whims of our listeners this week? We often are, but yeah, that's in, true. <laughs> in particular, we are this week because after we discussed it at length on last week's show, based on a listener question, I put up a poll asking if we should do special monthly episodes of Ajax where we go through the Mark Grunewald run on Captain America, and the results were overwhelming. Yeah, it was a landslide. I believe it was 81% to 19% in favor of us doing these episodes. So this is the first of them. This is the first one, and several people on Twitter asked if we could let them know what issues we're going to be reading ahead of time so they can read them and it can be sort of like a book club kind of deal. And I'm happy to do that. So as soon as we finish recording, I think tonight or maybe tomorrow morning, since, you know, relatively late on a Thursday night, I'll let everybody know what we're reading this episode and, and you can, hopefully you'll have read them by the time you listen to this. We are starting Foul Chris and the Wilson Soldier, our Groonies reread, with the entirety of the Grunewald run in 1985, which runs from July to December 1985. That's uh, issues 307 to 312. I'm so excited about this, Matt, because this is a thing that we have uh, talked about doing like just with our friends, like just for funsies. Uh, yeah. Several times, and it hasn't lined up because, as we all know, the only way that we can talk to each other is if we find a way to monetize it. So, I'm really excited about this. I, I really look forward to everybody doing this deep dive along with us, and maybe even getting some of our friends. I would love to have L back. I'd love to have uh, Chris Rowling, uh, David Wolken. Those are all people that we've talked to about. Hey, let's do Mark Grunewald Captain America Book Club. Because it is a ten year run. So I'm I'm ready for it, my dude. I am stoked. And we have a timely reason for doing it with Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus now. I believe it is wrapping up. Or it's has not, wrapped not up. Not quite as timely as it could be. <laughs> we could have started a little earlier, but you know, now that it is wrapped up, we can we can look at all the source material for it. And and maybe people will have watched the whole thing and we could talk about like some of the ways that it does relate to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus, But, Chris, before we get into that, we are going to do our normal top-of-show business. And we're going to start by thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who throw their mighty shields all the way down to 544 Gimmick Street to that old internet cafe. 
And uh, when they got there, they would have to log on, go through the whole rigmarole. You don't have to do that anymore, folks. From the comfort of your own home, staying safe, staying indoors, riding it out here in late pandemic times, you can use this very device on which you are listening to my voice to go to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month to uh, help out me and Matt, specifically when it comes to paying those gimmicks they keep sending the mail call bills. That's right, Chris. And we had some pledge changes over the last week, but no new pledges over the past week. So if you would like to be a name read out on the show uh, in the future, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Ajax. And as Chris said, kick in as little as a dollar a month to help us out. We currently have over 400 uh, patrons over on Patreon who are helping us. So if you would like to join that elite group, uh, you can do so. And the, the uh, gang. The, the, gimmick the, gang. Street, the gimmick street gang, which uh, the t-shirts just arrived at my house. That's the, very the, exciting. I have the new t-shirts for, for 2021. They're going to be sent out soon to the people at that level. It's very exciting. Uh, but if you're not at the t-shirt level, you can get other cool stuff. You get ad-free episodes of everything that we do, every show that we make uh, here uh, at Clytus Media, War Rocket Ajax Weekly, Every Story Ever Monthly, Comics Catch-Up, uh, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, all that stuff goes into your feed. On Patreon, ad-free, you also get bonus audio if you're at that level, and bonus writing from Chris. Castlemania, his video game review series of every Metroidvania he's ever played. There is, is a reason there hasn't been one in a minute. We'll get to it soon. All that is on Patreon. Also, uh, you get other cool stuff like line-stepping privileges for our after-interview segments and uh, and more more as well. So if any of that sounds like it's of interest to you, you can head over to Patreon and kick in some cash. If you're unable to do that, we more than understand because the times remain unprecedented, even here in late pandemic. You can do other things to help us out. Namely, you can head over to the podcasting app of your choice and leave us a five-star review. The more positive reviews we get, the more eyeballs there are on the show. So that helps us out. Uh, so leave us a review if you can, or just tell your friends about the show. Get on social media, say, hey, there's this podcast I really like. You should check it out. and. Uh, Hey, that would be a big help to us, too. All right, Chris. Now that we have taken care of that business, let's do some checks and wrecks. Let's do it. Chris, what are you checking in with this week? Buddy, it's done. I I got the jab. Shot number two has been put into my body. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday night at uh, around 930, as we always do, as we usually do. I had that shot on Monday. I am almost fully recovered from it. When my wife got the vaccination, her second one, she was just like in bed all day with uh, fever and chills and then kind of shook it off at the end of the day. I didn't get anything that severe uh, in terms of side effects, but I did. I have ached like I have worked out super hard for the past three days. Like my joints are achy. Uh, I, I did actually take uh, Tuesday off to just kind of like spend in bed. And like every time I got up, I would be like, mm, 
No, I don't think vertical's happening right now. So I would go back to bed. I finished Children of Morta. So, some good came out of it. That's why I haven't gotten a whole lot of writing done uh, on on my my side projects of late. Uh, But I will say, now Matt, you you haven't had your second one yet, right? I am one week away as we are speaking. Oh, buddy. That means we're like three weeks away from JJ's. Yeah, yeah. I actually planned a vacation with Marlene for basically the week of my birthday because we're both going to be... Marlene was fully vaccinated like two weeks away from her second shot today. She's good to go. And uh, she also, I think, reacted much like you, where it was like not immediate and intense. It was a couple days of feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited because like 10 days after my shot is opening day for the Bulls. Uh, scheduled, at least. And the Courage... Uh, my two beloved North Carolina sports teams uh, will be shortly thereafter. So I'm like, I like, I could like, that's about the the recommended wait time. I think I can do it. I think I'm, I, I would be safe to do so. So I'm really excited. And I will say like, if don't, don't think I am trying to scare you with these side effects, folks get vaccinated, get, get the shot, get vaccinated, take the day after off. If you can, and uh, like, because you will not feel great, probably. But hey, here's the thing: you're not actually sick. Like that's the that's the interesting part of it. You're not actually sick. It's just your immune system figuring out what secret techniques it has to use. Now, I understand fever. I don't really understand why my body was like, let's see if making the knees hurt solves this one, but. They don't tell me how to do my job, so I try not to tell them how to do theirs. But yeah, get the get the jab, everybody. You'll 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 feel better. I drove home blasting the '70s classic rock, feeling happier and more in control of my life than I have in over a year. So get it, please do so at your earliest opportunity, Matt. What are you up to this week? Well, Chris, in anticipation of being out in public again, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm sprucing up that wardrobe, my friend. Ooh. Now, well, let me let me specify what that means. My wife bought me some clothes, <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm doing things now that I have not done within the last year, like. Because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, like I do have new clothes. I'm not, I'm not a shorts wearer typically, but I have some pairs of shorts to wear for the summer that like I can take on vacation with me when when I go on vacation. But I'm not ready to be in a hotel just yet. We did rent out an Airbnb, but I like we are going to go to Charleston, the Charleston area, eat outside at restaurants and shit. And so I will have new clothes to wear there. And we're doing like gardening and we're going to do some work on our house and, and paint and stuff. And it's nice to just like feel like some stuff is starting fresh, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where my head has been this past week. Uh, trying, to, trying to do some stuff to get ready for the world again. It's a weird feeling, right? Yeah, it's it's weird for inertia to end. 
Yeah. Like to gain some momentum back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, everybody out there, keep in mind, all of us just went through a year. So if you feel some kind of way about it, that's okay. Chris, now it's time for us to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, I was given a gift this week. Ooh. Love a gift. Not like an actual present. Although, you know, if you wanted to... You want to give me something nice? I mean, that would be. I, I would like that if you did. Not gonna, not gonna sit here and pretend like I wouldn't. No, I was given a gift in the form of the return, unexpected, after quite a while, of one of my favorite podcasts. Matt, Cocaine and Rhinestones is back, baby. If you are not familiar with Cocaine and Rhinestones, it is, as the name implies, a podcast about country music. Uh, done by Tyler Mahan Co., who is David Allen Coe's son. It is a podcast that goes through the extremely interesting history of 20th century country music. The first season had some amazing episodes. Uh, the one about Harper Valley PTA is really amazing. The one about uh, Loretta Lynn singing about the, the birth control pill uh, and how that got Loretta Lynn banned from a lot of uh, radio stations and places, was really great. Uh, the one about the uh, Leuven Brothers, who famously did the album Satan is Real, that at least two people we know definitely keep that on their phones at all time, the album art for that one. Mm, yeah. Because those dudes did straight up build a devil, like a devil effigy, and then set a tire fire in their backyard to get that album cover. If you've never seen the album cover for the Living Brothers Satan is Real, folks, you're in for a treat. Uh, this new season starts off with a uh, really uh, interesting episode about uh, Star Day Records, which was the first label to brand itself as, like, an alternative to the Nashville sound. It was the anti-Nashville sound. It was real country the way it used to be. And it is a highly enjoyable way to spend uh, two hours. This season has a theme that I'm really excited about finding out what it is because uh, Tyler Mahenko has been very vague about it and said that people will probably figure it out over the course of the next few episodes. Uh, It's back and it's going to be bi-weekly and even if you are not a a fan of the music, I really think the the history of it is really like well worth the listen just for how fun it is. The exception to that is uh, the third episode of the first season is called "The Murder Ballad of a Spade Cooley." That episode's really interesting. It all there is a a murder described in that episode that listening to the description has haunted me legitimately ever since. If you are in any way squeamish and aren't into like very detailed descriptions of horrible things happening, when he says to skip ahead, skip ahead. Let me tell you. And I will say he does not go into the detail for what I think are gratuitous reasons. It is it is important to kind of understand it if you can handle understanding it. I could not, so I do regret listening to that bit. Other than that, a truly fantastic podcast all the way through. 
highly recommended, highly enjoyable, Cocaine and Rhinestones, Season 2, on your local podcatcher. Matt, uh, what do you have to recommend this week to me and to the listeners? Well, I sort of telegraphed my recommendation this week on last week's show because I made it my check, but I hadn't watched it all the way through yet, and I didn't want to get ahead of myself. But, yeah, it's my wreck. It is Infinity Train Season 4. Now, if you haven't watched any of the show, because I've I've recommended the previous season of Infinity Train, if you haven't watched any of the show, watch those previous seasons, because they're great. Season 4 does something really interesting, though, because seasons 1 through 3 sort of gradually become more about the mythology of the train. Which, if you haven't seen any of the show, it's this train that is traveling through a completely desolate wasteland that is seemingly in an entirely different dimension from our own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That teenagers and young adults from our reality go to when they need to maybe fix some problems. And uh, it's all about you know, going to this dimension to deal with your stuff before you can leave. And all of those last three seasons, like the first season was very character based. And then it gradually got more and more about the train until the third season was about people who had been on the train for years, like years and years and years who didn't really remember earth anymore. The only existence they were really familiar with anymore was the train season four is very character focused again, but it's about two people getting on the train at the same time. These two friends who are in a band together. Uh, They're also Canadians. So there's a lot of jokes in this season about them being Canadian or maybe more specifically not being American. They end up on the train together and, and, it's sort of like a first time thing. It, it doesn't seem like anyone has ever gotten on the train with another person before. Uh, it's usually always just been individuals. So that's already a, a change. Also, this is set in the 1980s, not in the present day, like current seasons. So the way they get the mythology into the show this time is not to make it front and center the crux of the story. It's just stuff that happens in the background or stuff that happens as the character based story is going on that you as a viewer realize is the history of the infinity train happening. Like you're like, Oh, I remember that character from previous seasons. Oh, that's how that happened. Like, it does some of that prequel stuff where it like fills in the gaps and explains stuff. But it's in a very smart, subtle, not hitting you over the head with it kind of way. That is, mm, the kiss of a chef. It's so well done, and the character-based story is so good. Like the character-based story is so good that the mythology stuff, like you get it if you get it, but if you don't get it, it's fine. You can enjoy the story for what it is, you know. I just I really like the way the story is told. It's such a quick watch. It's, you know, 10 episodes and they're like 20 minutes each or shorter. 
and it's just such a good show. I the only thing that disappointed me was that it was over so fast. Because, like, honestly, the day after I talked about it on the show, Marlene and I binged the whole rest of the season, like, the following day. Because we had to watch it. It's it's just that good of a show. I really, really like Infinity Train, and I want more of it now. <laughs> I really need to to catch up. I watched that first season and really liked it. So I I need to to put it on instead of watching what I have been watching, which is episodes of Star Trek <laughs> lately. Look, we, we all have things that we're watching that we put on in the background and we like because we don't have to give them like absolute full attention. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie and say I haven't been watching the Broken Skull Sessions while I work. Can I recommend it? Uh, no. That's but, it's weird that you can't recommend it, Matt, because that's every guy's dream. That's every guy's dream. Ho-ho! Those are our checks and recs. Chris, it's time now to talk about some comics that came out this week. Let's do it. Chris, as we so often do on Thursday, we were messaging back and forth earlier today about the comics that we should talk about on the show. And you told me, in no uncertain terms, Avengers number 45 rules. Yeah, Matt, it extremely rules. <laughs> if you saw the cover to this, you would be like, oh, that is a, that's a, a king in black tie-in. That's probably going to be about Null and the, the symbiotes and the, all the venoms coming to block out the sun and, and kill everybody. Nope. I, I, that's certainly what I assumed. Yeah, incorrect. Not not actually what that book is about. You know what that book is about? Uh, Dracula. It's about Dracula and yeah. Blade. Because apparently, if you didn't know, one of the things that happened when Noel blocked out the sun was all the vampires were like, actually, vampires fight for Earth. So all the vampires started fighting all the Venom symbiotes. That's the best possible story. And then Blade started killing them. Because <laughs> he's Blade. Yeah, there's a hell of a moment in this issue where Dracula, you know, Dracula? You know, you're, are you familiar with Dracula? I, I'm sure you're familiar. Dracula gives a rousing heroic speech to a bunch of other vampires. And I, th- I guess he does it on TV also. Which is so rousing and heroic that people just send him blood. It's. I, I believe it is. It, it, was that supposed to be the synthetic blood, or was no? I guess not, because no, he does say like, "Oh no, everybody's excited. They sent us all the blood." They people are just like drawing blood and putting them in blood packs and sending them to these vampires. Well, you know what? If Dracula saved your life, only so many things that you can reward him with. What happens is, uh, you might remember from earlier in this run. Dracula now lives in uh, Chernobyl, in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, with all the other vampires, because vampires can live there. That's great. They have applied for membership of the UN as a vampire country. (laughs) That's exciting. But what's even more exciting is the UN accepted them with one condition. The condition is that Vampire Town has a new sheriff. It's It's Sheriff Blade. Blade. It's Blade. It's Sheriff Blade. It's Sheriff Eric Brooks. 
buddy, that's exciting. It's good. And and that's just one of several plot lines going through this issue. Uh, we've also got Ghost Rider telling the new Phoenix Echo that he's not afraid of her. And in fact, uh, they have a connection going back for millions of years. That's pretty good, too. Yeah, because, you know, they were both on the million years ago Avengers. Yeah, because the Phoenix Force and the Ghost Rider spirit, the spirit of vengeance, just had different, just were occupying different people back then. Yeah. Different inhabitants. Falcon and Zarathos. That's right. And also, we've got, like, every member of the Avengers, like, setting world records, but telling the computer that it has to delete that because they got to keep getting better. I thought it was just because they were getting annoyed by it, and like, of course, of course, Captain America is going to run the mile faster than anybody else can, because Captain America. <laughs> I think it has to do with they're training harder than they've ever trained, to so they can defeat Null. And so, it doesn't matter that they're breaking world records. They've got to get even better. They do have to keep getting better. Because the vampires have a country now. Hey, Matt, it occurs to me, the, the UN and the Marvel Universe right now has a vampire country yep. in Krakoa. Mm-hmm. That's got to be that's got to be a weird, like when when the ambassadors to, to those places meet up. You know, I don't know that it's that much weirder than the world we currently live in. You know, that's an excellent point, Matt. You're probably correct. Moving on to another book that came out this week, the other big team book, Justice League number 60, came out, continuing the Brian Michael Bendis, Dave Marquez run on the book. And as we predicted when this run started, Black Adam has joined the Justice League. Yes. Uh, Black Adam and uh, Naomi from Naomi, uh, the Brian Bendis book that uh, that was launched when he arrived at, at DC Comics. Matt, who drew that one? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I haven't read that book. We probably should catch up on that. Well, I was going to ask if you had read it for because uh, something – Something is revealed in this issue that I did not know because I did not read Naomi mm-hmm. when it came out. That book was a graphic novel. I don't think it was released in issues. Okay. And I think that might have something to do with uh, why we missed it. The art on that book was by Jamal Campbell. Ooh, yeah. I bet that's good. Yeah. If it's like if it's as good as Bendis has been lately, then I think probably worth catching up on. Let us know. Listener. Also co-written by David F. Walker. Ah, yeah. You know what? That's probably pretty good. <laughs> probably pretty. Oh wait, it was released in issues. I take that back. It was re- issues one through six, but uh, it was then released. Uh, in gra- it, when I looked it up on the DC website, it came up as graphic novel. But I guess it was released in issues. So sorry for getting that wrong. But uh, that that may be a book we should catch up on soon. Well. If we had caught up on it, I would probably not be as surprised to find out that the person who uh, destroyed uh, Naomi's home planet is named Zumbado. Zumbado, yeah. Yeah, he's named Zumbado. Zumbado. 
He's named Real Bad Guy. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that, I don't know if I love that or hate it. <laughs> like I really don't, Matt. It's, it's it, confusing it, to me. If it's on purpose, it's great. You know how in Guilty Gear there's a dude named Saul Bad Guy? Yes. It's like that. But I don't like like you said, it's the it really is a question of whether it's on purpose. <laughs> What a wild name. Uh, actually, weirdly, a more on-the-nose name than Brutus, which is the name of the guy who's the bad guy in this Justice League run, which is already pretty hard on the nose. Yeah. It's... I'm liking this book, though. I, I like the like kind of argument that the Justice League has about letting Black Adam onto the team. I like that Superman is the one who's like, let's give him a chance. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like, I don't know about this. And Green Arrow is one of the ones who's most against it. But then, you know, Superman can rightly say, well, you wanted some new blood on the team. And I think this is the way to do it. Yeah. And I really like that that the way he convinces them is he's like, hey, we've all changed. You know, you've, you've, gotten a, you've become a, a better hero. Well, you've been on the team. Green Arrow's like, damn, I have become a better hero. <laughs> yeah, he wins. I uh, forget who observes that Black Superman Canary. wins the argument with compliments. Yeah. I don't know if it's a shift in the writing, if it just works for these characters more than it did for others. But, like, the, the chit-chat, the little, little back and forth, works so much better for the Justice League than I feel like it did for anybody else the last time I read a, a team book by Bendis, like any of the Avengers. It, it it certainly seems like a better fit for Justice League than definitely it did for the Avengers. Yeah. I think it's a, a growth thing. I think like there is chit chat here for sure, but the the pages aren't like filled with word balloons like Bendis had such a habit of doing mm-hmm. uh, 15 years ago. And that, boy, his Avengers run was 15 years ago. We're old, Matt. Yeah. Um, like, there's there's more of an economy to the talking, even though there is a good amount of talking. It, and yeah, I think the characters feel like they have more distinct voices than they did in that Avengers run. And it just, it just works better. I, I even like Brutus, you know, we talked about it last time we talked about this book. He talks so colloquially. Yeah. I think that's really fun. When it was the Avengers, everybody sounded like Spider-Man all the time. Yeah. That's part of it. Like nobody, there, there were not distinct voices. Yeah. When it's the justice league, Superman sounds like Superman. Batman sounds like Batman. I really like that there's a moment in this where somebody's like, hey, does Superman and Batman not like each other? And they're like, oh no, they're best friends. <laughs> and that's all I want. Tell us Superman and Batman are best friends. And then they also ask, does, basically, does Batman always talk like that? <laughs> and they're like, yes. <laughs> it's really good stuff. I'm really, like, I'm very excited about it. I think there's there's a lot of good stuff going on in this book right now. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think... You know, I think when, especially when somebody creates a new character, and then that character ends up in a team book, mm-hmm. 
it can feel rather forced. And I, I feel like Black Adam being on this team could feel rather forced too. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel weird or, or shoehorned in. There's there's a reason for them to be there that's a very good reason because you know Black Adam's been there every time this stuff happened. It Brutus attacked Kandahak first time we saw him. And Naomi McDuffie is from this planet that these invaders are from. And uh, it, this ends on a cliffhanger with with an attempt to go to that planet that I, I think is really interesting. And I, there's a lot of stuff that's still left on the table. Obviously, I'm thinking throughout this whole thing, when Black Adam joins the Justice League, how is Shazam going to react to this? And I'm sure that's something that Bendis has in his back pocket. Yeah. I'm all for creators bringing their their pet characters onto team books because that's how we got Aztec on the Justice League. True, I fucking love Aztec and Zari- uh and Zariel. Yeah, for that matter, yeah. it's it's just that that Morrison legacy. All right, one last comic that we're going to talk about, Chris. You've read this. I have not uh, caught the latest issue yet, even though. I'm going to read it. Uh, it's uh, Yusagi Ojibbo number 19. Guess what, Matt? Yeah, I bet it's good. It's good as hell, <laughs> it turns out. Uh, but here's, here's the good thing about it. Like th- this issue, I can't imagine at this point we can convince anyone who hasn't read Usagi Ojimbo yet to read Usagi Ojimbo. Like it's just like we're just not – it's not going to happen because like we've, we've given you the best arguments that we can. This issue, however, is a a standalone kind of self-contained story uh, that's very easy to to grasp everything that happens. It touches back on Usagi's origin, but you don't need to like know about it. Everything is explained. Um, here's the thing, though this this issue has someone saying, "Hey, are you familiar with that old proverb? Sit on the riverbank, and eventually the corpse of your enemy will float by." <laughs> and Usagi is just like, yes, that is a completely normal thing to say. And I like that was one where I was like, do I need to get that tattooed on my body? <laughs> like, do, like, do I need to get like this littered in Stansakai's handwriting somewhere on my body? Because <laughs> Matt, that's an intense one. It is. There's there's a lot there's a lot going on there. Very much so. Uh, it, it's a good comic. Everyone should be reading it all the time. Every day. Agreed. All right, Chris, is that, does that wrap us up? Is that it for our comic segment? Yeah, I think so. We've, we, we hit three comics from this week. I think maybe it's time for us to, uh, to take it back. How far back? Way back. 36 years. <laughs> 36 years. It's time to go back to 1985. It's time to go back to the future. To 1985. And start the Mark Grinwald run. We are further away from that year than Back to the Future was from 1955. That's true. All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some Mark Grinwald cap when we come back. Let's do it. 
On the Super Nintendad's entertainment podcast, catch us grumbling about the news every Monday on the Morning Dadcast, chatting with industry professionals, and most importantly, teaching our kids just how incredible or horrible 80s and 90s video game and pop culture truly was. All right, what else you got? A Sega Slingshot. <laughs> Don't have a cow, man. <laughs> the blast processing was really fast. Why can knuckles fly even? Tide prawn dough. What is that? Samurai Pizza Cats. Gabe, we almost named you Guido Anchovy. <laughs> Doing a Belvedere requires a set of low hangers. <laughs> right here on Greenlit. The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast covers the latest Nintendo news while also diving into what's hot in pop culture, music trivia, hands-on impressions, and so much more. Hopefully we can make you laugh, too. You'll find new episodes of the Go Nintendo podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network every single week. We are starting in on one of the long runs, and what I would say, I would honestly say one of the most important runs in Marvel Comics history. An important run, and also a run that I think is often overlooked, because you hear about Lee and Kirby on Fantastic Four. You hear about Lee and Ramita. Lee and Ditko, and then Leah Ramita on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You hear about... Peter David on Hulk. P- yes, Peter David on Hulk. You hear about uh, the Simonson Thor run. You hear about all these important runs. People seem to never talk about Mark Grunewald on Captain America, even though, as you said, he was on the book for 10 years. Yeah, he is on the book for such a long time and does so much stuff. While he's on this book. Because Mark Grunewald was not just a writer. Mark Grunewald was also uh, an editor. He was actually the editor on Captain America when he took over Captain America. He was. uh, Which I think is... That's a real, fine, I'll do it. Like, get get out of here, I'm gonna do it myself. (laughs) But also, like, he was the guy for continuity at marvel comics he was the keeper of the continuity he was the tom brevoort of his day i would say even even more like a friend of mine said that what every comic company needs is a guy in a room who just sits there and every now and then his phone rings and somebody goes hey has wolverine ever met dracula which obviously he has and the guy goes yes he has and they go okay thank you and then they hang up the phone. Mark Grunewald was that guy. Mark Grunewald was the, the the man in the room who kept track of everything in the Marvel Universe, which is why so much of his comic stuff is kind of kind of continuity focused in the way that Dan Slots run on so many things, like particularly on like She Hulk and. Uh, a lot of Amazing Spider-Man, like those were very continuity focused, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because what I couldn't help but observe in these six issues, Grunewald's first six issues on Captain America as writer, even though he had been editor up to that point, so much of this six issues seems focused on 
getting Cap away from a status quo and bringing him to a new status quo. The status quo that Grunwald's going to pick up and run with. Like, it's a very clean six issues of we get Nomad out the door, right? Mm -hmm. We get Steve Rogers a new job. We create a new status quo for Bernie, Cap's girlfriend. Bernadette Rosenthal. Mm -hmm. A lot of people not familiar with that character. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, she's no Diamondback. Well, speaking of which, creating a whole new set of villains for Captain America. Yeah, boy. My 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 dogs, my, my road dogs in the Servant Society. Yeah, it, it really feels like Grunwald is saying, like, we're going to do some new stuff here. Because even though he's had his paws on the book for a while before this, and the two writers before Grunwald were, uh, for the first half of 1985, Mike Carlin is actually writing this book. Well known as a DC editor, yeah. And then before Carlin, I, Carlin feels very, very much like a fill-in writer. I must say, uh, for his, I think he's on for five or six issues. And before that, we had a, a pretty long J.M. DeMatteis run on Captain America. Yeah. I think his run was like a couple years. Paul Neary was drawing this book way back then. Like, Paul Neary was the Captain America art guy for a uh, long time. He's good as hell, too. He's so good. And what's wild is that... <clears throat> what's wild is that, like, the person who I think replaces Paul Neary on this book, or is it, at least is drawing the issues that I'm in right now, uh, where I'm at, is uh, Kieran Dwyer. Yeah. With that shit slaps <laughs> boy it's it's real good but yeah um, you, you talk about Grunwald coming on and immediately doing new stuff like g- giving cap a mobile base of operations uh new sub- like we're gonna get d-man as a major supporting character before too long he keeps doing that over the course of like of his run because as people i'm sure no doubt are aware uh he also like introduces John Walker as as the new Captain America. Well, he introduces John Walker as Super Patriot, but uh, eventually as the new Captain America. And it's there's a lot of changes that happen in this book on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, and and we can start getting into the issues here, I guess, because I don't know that there's a whole lot of other background to talk about here other than like it definitely feels like Grunwald is coming in as writer of the book with with some ideas yeah like I, it 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 feels like maybe he had an a thought that the book was not stale or not spinning its wheels before this but like well not, not taking chances it, it's well, it's made clear in one of the issues here that, that Grunwald thinks that maybe the book's not quite living up to its potential. 
Yeah, because when Captain America goes and gets his job at Marvel Comics, uh, the editor of that book is like, yeah, the previous run on the book sucked, actually. Yeah. Which, boy, that's that's rough. Here's what shocked me, because I haven't read these issues in a long time, and I don't think I realized quite when the changeover in writers happened. So the first issue of the Grunewald run is 307. Mm-hmm. Does not come in on a big round number or anything. He's starting on 307. The issue title is Stop Making Sense. Asterisk with apologies to David Byrne. Uh, Not apologies to any other member of Talking Heads, which was a honestly a problem for the other members of Talking Heads. Uh, But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Captain America... Steve Rogers is in all of two pages, maybe two and a half pages of this issue. The rest of the issue entirely focuses on Nomad, which is a bold choice for your first Captain America issue. It really is. And I mean, you you talk about big round numbers, but 307... Uh, immediately prior to this, like the last issue of 1984 was Captain America 300, where Cap and the Red Skull fight to the death. Yeah. And the Red Skull dies. <laughs> Which is a, a J.M. DeMatteis issue. Yeah. Carlin comes in and does the next little bit, uh, including actually, I always think this is a Groomwald issue. It's not. Uh, Cap 303 is the one where Captain America needs to know something. So he goes and asks Batrock. But Batrock's yeah. feeling a little bit depressed. And so. He's like, okay, Cap, I'm a, I will tell you everything you need to know. The only thing I want you to do is let me beat you up in front of my two friends, Zoran the Weapons Master and Machete. And Cap's like, fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Carlin issues are very interesting. Because they do kind of feel like Grunewald doing some stuff in there. Like... Maybe the editor has more say in those issues than is typical. I feel like if anyone is going to be a be a Grunewald guy, it's going to be the guy who then becomes, you know, Mike Carlin at DC Comics because that's like that's the secret about Mark Grunewald, right? The the not so secret that dude loved DC Comics and never wrote one. Like, he wasn't just the keeper of continuity at Marvel. He also knew all that shit for DC. He was just doing that on his free time. Yeah, I mean, that's what Squadron Supreme is, right? It's it's what his Justice League would have been. Exactly, yeah. Before this starts, before we get to 307, the last Mike Carlin arc on the book is a team-up with Captain Britain, where Captain America and Captain Britain fight Dark Mage Mordred or Modred, in in the UK. So this starts with Captain America still in Britain. And he hilariously big-times air, airport workers into letting him on a plane <laughs> so that he can go back home. I love it when comics... like I love it when people don't wait for the big round numbers to show up. Like he is—he's essentially coming on, finishing up somebody else's story at, on number three hundred seven, and he will then be on this book 
for the next 10 years. Mark Greenwald leaves Captain America in 1995 and dies in 1996. Legendarily, I don't know if this was real. Legendarily, he came by the office on a Friday, picked up like Rob Liefeld's Captain America number one, the Heroes Reborn Captain America number one, took it home to read it, and then died. Yeah, there is some Captain America between the end of his run and the Heroes Reborn. Mark Wade. Because there's one the Mark my, uh, Wade. Cap stories, yeah. There's the Mark Wade Ron Garney cap in there. The first their first stint on Captain America. And then they do their second stint after Heroes Reborn. Heroes Return, baby. Heroes Return. But yeah, it's it's not long uh between the end of the Grunwald run on Captain America and the end of Captain America. <laughs> yeah. The, the volume one of Captain America. But it, it's hilarious in, in this how Captain America shows up on the tarmac at Heathrow Airport, flashes his Avengers badge to some dude <laughs> uh, at the boarding gate of the plane, and they let him on the plane. Uh, also, I thought it was hilarious that um, the flight attendant asked Captain America if he would like to check his disc. <laughs> okay, that's the thing that I think we need to establish right up front, too. Grunwald writes Steve Rogers, Captain America, like a huge square. Oh, yeah. He, like, he says things. He's like, I need to prevent anyone from getting hurt or any property from getting destroyed, which is like wild. Well, it's I, the next issue I think has some of the best examples of that. Cause again, there's not actually a lot of Steve Rogers in this issue, which bold, extremely bold. Cause what this first issue is, what 307 is mostly about is nomad who, when caps away, is sleeping till noon on Steve Rogers' couch in full costume. <laughs> in his full nomad costume. Yeah, which, to be fair, is like jeans and a track jacket. <laughs> oh, he's got oh, the cape on. Oh, does he not get that? Okay, he does not have the jeans and the track jacket costume. Yeah. No, okay. this is like, this is full superhero costume nomad sleeping on the couch. Uh, Bernie Rosenthal shows up at the apartment. And essentially tells Nomad that he's lazy and should get a job. It's rather insensitive of her. And this sends Nomad into a spiral. Meanwhile, a guy in a fancy coat shows up at a costume shop and blasts a guy with a bubble gun. And the guy starts freaking out and acting like a chicken. And uh, the guy steals a, a costume. Then Nomad goes and gets a job at a at a supermarket. He's going to be a bagger. I would like to read this exchange because it is uh, very funny. Let's see. Jack Monroe, age 23, high school graduate. For one of your references, you put in Nicholas Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's that intelligence agency, isn't it? Uh, yes, I did some clerical work for them for a while. Very impressive, son. Why would that leave why would you leave that to be a bag boy good question excellent question you got to think your cover through Jack. Uh, basically the bot the the manager of the grocery store tells him that he's overqualified but he'll hire him anyway 
It's very funny to imagine that dude calling up the commander, the supreme commander of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Hey, hey, do you think this guy who worked for you could bag groceries? If I was Nick Fury and that happened, I'd be like, no. (laughs) Wait, you talking about Nomad? (laughs) Talking about Jai Monroe, a.k.a. Nomad Base of Operations Mobile? The guy in the costume shop turns out to be Madcap, who was That's our right. new villain, who is uh, the surrealist Dadaist villain. He's a he's a fucking Grant Morrison character. Five years early, you ain't kidding. And when is he going to show up in the MCU? Who do you think? Let's put let's put money on it right now. Madcap or Impossible Man? Who's first? Oh, yeah, Impossible Man, first. definitely. Impossible Man could show up in that Loki show. You know what? That is that is fuck Madcap could show up in that Loki show. TVA's in that map. Yeah, no shit. Uh, but Madcap needs to show up in something. Here's Madcap Steel. He was in an accident. I believe it was a bus crash, and he was the only survivor. When he survived, he landed in a big puddle of. Uh, you know, science goo, as one does in the in the Marvel universe. This happened a lot. It's Marvel comic science goo, and what this Marvel comic science goo did to him was make him invincible. He is impervious to harm or pain. He can also make people act bananas with like hypno eyes. Yeah. You know, like like exactly what happens if you fall into science goo. Yeah. Nomad, who sees all this going on outside, the, all this pandemonium that uh, Madcap is causing outside the grocery store, he notices this and goes and, and tries to stop him. But he also gets hypnotized, and he thinks it's by Madcap's bubble gun. He thinks the bubble gun is what's causing everybody to act so weird but the bubble gun's just a distraction madcap can make you lose your mind just by looking at you so nomad tries to fight madcap it is not working and he gets hypnotized seeing himself as half nomad half captain america Nomad's going off the rails a little bit here. Yeah, Nomad's going to go through the the early part of the run is really focused on on Nomad. And it's interesting. Like I'm at a part I'm past where I remember specifics and I haven't gotten to uh Capwolf yet, so yeah. I'm not quite sure how the book goes. But the this book is kind of defined for the first several years by kind of juggling stories. Like we get a pretty long running Jack Monroe story going alongside what Cap's doing. And then we get the John Walker stuff. And then we get that going alongside what Cap's doing. So we get like a lot of parallel narratives. Nomad gets fired from his job because he went out and did superhero stuff for like two hours. You can't just go out and do superhero stuff for five hours. Folks, yeah, it it doesn't work out. And uh, also, at his grocery store job, he flirted with this lady named Carmela a lot. She had to go to the hospital because of Madcap, 
And uh, so Jack goes and visit her at the, visits her at the hospital, and she's there with her boyfriend. And he comes by the hospital, and he goes, I just wanted to see if you're okay. She goes, yeah, I'm fine. This is my boyfriend, uh, Raul. And Raul says, buenos dias. And Jack's like, oh, uh, sorry you weren't uh, – sorry, I'm glad you weren't hurt, Carmela. Uh, bye. And he just leaves. He's gone. He's, he's a real cool guy. He's a real cool guy. And uh, he's he doesn't know what to do with himself. He doesn't know what to do about Madcap. He goes back to Steve Rogers' apartment where he's been staying, and he decides he's just – he's out of there. He takes all his stuff, and he's gone. And then we at the very end of this issue, we get a very small uh, buildup to uh, the Serpent Society, which uh, there will be more of uh, very soon. Yeah, boy, that's the money. That's the money in this. Next up, we have issue 308, which is uh, Secret Wars 2 tie-in. And I gotta say, I know that this run definitely gets a lot better from here. I don't know if it's by virtue of the fact that it was interrupted a little bit or what, but I feel like this issue's a little bit of a clunker. It's... I like the armadillo, but it is not... It's not the best issue. That is correct. And I wonder if, like, if maybe, like, Grunewald's earliest issues are, like, nobody wanted to come in and then have to do a tie-in and then, like, have to pick up where they left off, like, two issues later, and Grunewald just did it and wound up staying on the book for so long. Like, yeah. I, there's a part of me that wonders if it was that or if that was even a a concern for him. There's a little bit of narrative gymnastics here. We get an explanation. Like, there's there's two pages, three pages at the start of this, of Cap just thinking to himself about exposition <laughs> while he goes through an obstacle course at the West Coast Avengers headquarters, explaining why he had to go to California from the UK instead of back to New York. And, you know, all this stuff about the secret wars that are going on, all blah, 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 blah. He's, he's running an obstacle course. Oh, no, the stunulators. <laughs> okay, to, to be fair, that's that's how many people who live in the Marvel Universe think <laughs> about True. things all the time. Uh, he has a brief conversation about the West Coast Avengers with Hawkeye. Hawkeye and Mockingbird go off to, to uh, like in a, a swanky event, and Captain America is left at West Coast Avenger, Avengers headquarters by himself when he is attacked by Armadillo. Armadillo, a big old boy who looks like an armadillo. <laughs> He's he yes he is a human sized and I guess somewhat human shaped armadillo got some big claws on his hands and feet. Captain America makes pretty quick work of him. He he lures him into a a pit with a net after he learns that the stunulators have no effect on him. Matt, them stunulators they did they didn't do nothing. They didn't do nothing. But he, he catches him in a net, and then now that he's caught, Armadillo has to explain what the deal is. And essentially, uh, his wife, Bonita, had fallen deathly ill, 
And uh, so he he takes his wife to Dr. Carl Malice, who promises to save her, but only if the poor Ombardillo will subject himself to tests to be changed into a human armadillo. Yeah. You know, he straps him to a table with a James Bond ray pointed at it, and then he shoots him with it, and he turns into an armadillo man. It's, folks, it's just science. It's all a part of science. After this, Cap says, okay, well, why are you here? And Armadillo says, Dr. Malice told I, told me I had to come to West Coast Avengers headquarters to get the remains of a guy named Goliath uh, and bring him to him uh, so that you know he could do some kind of experiment. But oh no, the shrinking solution that I brought evaporated. So we can't make Goliath small to take him away. And Cap says, all right, why don't we go talk to Dr. Malice? And, you know, you can explain to him that you lost your shrinking solution, and we can, we can, we can work this out. So Armadillo goes back to Dr. Malice's lab, and Dr. Malice is like, no, I need those remains. I need them now. Armadillo, kill Captain America. And Captain America goes, no, no, no. You're not going to do that, and you're not going to kill his wife. And so he basically breaks Dr. Malice's arm. (laughs) And they end up at this weird impasse where it's like Armadillo doesn't want his wife to die. The only person that can keep his wife alive is Dr. Malice. And Cap is like stuck in the middle of this where he's just like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take Doctor Malice away, and I'm not gonna shut down his equipment. But also, I'm calling the cops, and they're coming. Which doesn't seem like a great solution. It's yeah, yeah, it's not the best. But also in here, we do get the Beyonder making his Captain America body. True, like he does. He does. If you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make a body. I mean, what better? You probably want that Captain America body. Probably want that Captain America body. Like, if like if I could choose, I'd probably take Chris Evans. For me. Thanks. <laughs> I would immediately ruin it. With with the little thing I like to call Taco Bell. But, uh, but I would, you know, I'd give it a shot. <laughs> Finally, after that weird moral conundrum, uh, Sidewinder shows up to recruit some folks into the Serpent Society initiative. That is good. Here's here's what's great about the Serpent Society. We get a little bit of this. We we get a little bit of this here, I think, but like it's a corporation. It's yeah. a full ass like it's an MLM basically. That's, that's in issue 310. We'll get to it when we get to it. Oh, it's so good. Issue 309 wraps up the Madcap story. And the title of this issue is great. It's Nomad Madcap Cap. Beautiful. It's good, and I like it. So Steve Rogers gets back. He gets back to New York. He he meets up with Bernie Rosenthal. He finds out that Bernie's glass blowing shop that she has is closing. She has to close it down because of rent. 
the rent got too high. Meanwhile, Nomad has gone to find Madcap, and somehow he realized where Madcap was, uh, which was an abandoned amusement park. We actually find out that he found that out from Jarvis. He went to Avengers Mansion. He asked Jarvis, hey, where would like a like a wild, goofy, laughing supervillain live? And Jarvis was like, oh, probably an amusement park. So he goes to Coney Island, where Madcap lives. Jarvis like, I mean, let me let me call my friend Alfred. Yeah, we, we meet at the we meet at the Butler meetings. So Nomad goes to Madcap's home, and he says, "I need to learn from you. You told me that nothing matters, and I believe it. So tell me what your deal is." And Madcap gives him his whole origin story. Meanwhile, uh, the Serpent Society is still recruiting. Steve Rogers is having job trouble. I guess he was working for an advertising agency in the stories before this. Yeah, that was the that was the established thing before this is that he was like a commercial artist. Yeah, and so he's he's working for an advertising agency here, but he misses out on a big project. He he um, misses a deadline, and the boss at the advertising agency is like. Look, you've blown several deadlines. I can you can keep freelancing for me, but like you got to make the deadlines. And Captain America is just like, no, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to work here anymore. My heart's not in this. I don't. I hate this consumerism. I hate selling toothpaste. I hate being a freelancer. All my life, I tried to get in, and now I would desperately like to get out. <laughs> Nomad is following Madcap around seeing Madcap do all his uh, bananas work. And this was all a ploy on Nomad's part to finally defeat Madcap. He crushes Madcap's bubble gun, thinking that that's going to take away his power. Uh, It doesn't. He uh, can hypnotize people with his eyes. He tries to hypnotize uh, Nomad, but it doesn't work out. Uh, And and Nomad does finally uh, defeat Madcap. He... He binds his wrists and ankles so that he can't move anymore mm-hmm. and uh, carries him away on his shoulder. And then we get Captain America, who has watched this whole thing as it's happened. He just kind of stood back and watched as Nomad defeated Madcap. Nomad's just kind of like, I need to go off on my own. So I, d- I don't want to just be Captain America Jr. anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. Nomad goes off stage for a while. Like we get Nomad out of the book by the third issue in the Grunwald run. Yeah. Where does he like do you happen to know? I guess I could have looked this up, but do you know where he goes? Because when he comes back in like a, a year or so, like he's got like like he's got Vagabond with him, who's his girlfriend slash sidekick. I don't know. He, he maybe he goes to a team book or something? The it's it's just stated here that Nomad is like gonna go to another city and do stuff. There must have been a Marvel Comics presents or or something along those lines. Yeah, maybe maybe we can look up some history of Nomad. If anybody out there has the uh the Jack Monroe complete chronology, we could really use it. Issue three ten is the big Serpent Society issue, Chris. It is also the oh. issue where Steve Rogers decides that he's going to go get a job at Marvel Comics because he sees some kids reading 
the comic book Captain America on the subway. Mm-hmm. And uh, this the, the the way that this is explained is buck wild. Here is some thought balloons of Steve Rogers. Ha! Thought someone recognized me a moment there. But it's just my comic book likeness they're talking about. I sometimes forget that the Avengers have authorized the Marvel Comics Group to adapt our adventures in comic book format. I believe our butler, Jarvis, is in charge of supplying the Marvel Comics with our summaries of our cases. He also reviews all material before it goes to press. <laughs> yeah, that's information you need. You know, okay. You, people, people make fun of this kind of storytelling. I love it. Okay, it's good. It, I, it's good. But I have to know, what are the comics in the Marvel Universe like? They did, like, in the late 90s, they did, like, a a thing where it's like, oh, here's the the in-universe Marvel comics, like the Fantastic Four licenses or whatever. And it was was nowhere near what you would want it to be. Like, I wish they would would do another shot at it, because it just was not... It wasn't good, because one of them was about Spider-Man, and nobody was supposed to know who Spider-Man is. And so yeah. it was a comic where it was just like, who is this mysterious guy? And it's like, well, well, I know who he is, but you shouldn't, so don't make a Spider-Man one. Well, I mean, that's part of the issue here, right? Like, nobody knows who Captain America is, so the comics can't be about Steve Rogers. They can only be about Captain America, because... Steve Rogers goes to Marvel Comics offices in this issue and talks to Mark Grunewald. He talks to the editor of Captain America about drawing Mark Grunewald. Who about drawing well, I guess Mike Carlin is the editor of the book at this point. They switched off roles. So Mike he goes to text talks to, I guess, Mike Carlin about drawing Captain America. And somebody in the office remarks, like, that guy could be Captain America. According to the official handbook, that guy is Captain America's exact height and weight. Yeah. And it, it's, like, it's fun, but, like, it is weird to think about what those comic books would actually be about. Presumably, it would just be, like, in costume. It would just be, like, all the in-costume stuff that we see in these comics. Because, like, the, the deal is that they're based on like the actual events, right? So the Fantastic like the Fantastic Four is about you know everybody knows who the Fantastic Four are, but presumably it's not about Ben being an asshole to Johnny or or Johnny being an asshole to Ben. Yeah. It's 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 weird to think about, man. That's what's going on with Steve through a lot of this issue. Meanwhile, at a hotel. <laughs> like it's literally like in a conference room at a hotel. The Serpent Society is getting together. Sidewinder has has gathered every pres- possible snake themed supervillain. You've got Sidewinder, or you've got Constrictor. You've got Black Mamba. You've mm-hmm. got Death Adder. You've got Princess Python. You've got Cottonmouth. You've got Diamondback. You've got Bushmaster, Cobra, Asp, Rattler, and Anaconda. They're all sitting around a table. And uh, Sidewinder is telling them the organizational rules <laughs> that they are going to abide by as a group of mercenary bad guys that other organizations like AIM 
and Hydra can hire. And everybody's on board except Constrictor, who's like, fuck this. No, I work alone. Here are two of the extremely good things about this. A. A number one. Some of these characters are new. Diamondback, for instance, is new. Most of them are not. There's just a lot of snake people. It's just a lot of snake comics in general. Two, looking at this now, like there's an establishing shot of the posh Midtown Hotel. I'm sure that's supposed to be a real building because it like has the look of one, but it also does look a lot like the building that Cobra uses as their their embassy in New York. <laughs> I mean, it looks like the UN. Yes, with, there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover. I just want to know if like if Grumwald was like. This G.I. Joe book's selling a lot. <laughs> I'll throw Cobra in there. You know, that's a good point. Uh, Constrictor calls the Avengers, and the way he does this is hilarious. He goes, yeah, Operator, give me the number of the Avengers. Because Constrictor doesn't want the Serpent Society to get off the ground. Uh, so he calls the Avengers and tries to tip them off about the Serpent Society getting together. Uh, it doesn't take it first, but then after Cap goes to visit Jarvis, just as he's starting on his new drawing the comic book Captain America job, uh, Jarvis tells him about you know, the Serpent Society. They're going to go steal a bunch of stuff at the Brand Corporation. So Captain America like stops them in their tracks. But they still get away with the stuff that they're stealing, and he ends up just fighting Anaconda for a while. Uh, eventually he knocks out Anaconda with his shield and uh, tries to tries to get out of there. And Anaconda, or he does get out of there, and Anaconda is arrested, but she gets out very quickly because as we find out, Sidewinder can teleport, and so he's going to get anybody who in the Serpent Society who goes to jail out of jail. That's the whole bit. Is that if you sign up with the Serpent Society, you are guaranteed to just get out of jail. Then Anaconda beats the shit out of Constrictor. Because they know that he's the one who ratted out everybody. Which, you know. Fair. It's I mean, it's what happens. Yeah. Stop snitching. Y'all, you gotta stop snitching. 311's a wild one. Uh, this This is a continuity dive issue. If there ever was one. Captain America gets a tip that he needs to go to Ohio. First he goes and first he goes and visits Constrictor in the hospital to try to find out what happened to him and if you know the Serpent Society is behind this. But in this case, Constrictor will not snitch. He refuses to snitch. This is also where he meets with the editor of uh, of Marvel Comics and uh, is told that the previous run on the book sucks. And he also reads a letter sent to Marvel Comics that's to him. And in you just call the operator and ask for the Avengers. Yeah, uh, but it's it's written to Captain America, and the editor's like, "Oh yeah, we can't publish those." But in the letter, it talks about. There's some giant alien or supervillain living in uh, a barn 
where they live in Mayfield, Ohio. So Cap gets on a plane, he gets in a Quinjet, and he flies to Mayfield, Ohio to inspect this barn. And wouldn't you know it, the Mad Thinker's awesome android is in there. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Awesome android is in the house. Here's why. Because in an issue of ROM Mm -hmm. from however long ago, ROM told the awesome android to get out of his sight and uh, stay stay away from anybody until he comes back and tells him he needs him. So he's literally just hiding in a barn. Yeah, and look, if you want to go somewhere where you can stay out of sight and people will never want to come looking for you, Ohio's the place to do it. The way Cap solves this problem is hilarious because he figures out what's going on. He figures out that the awesome android is just hiding because that's what he was told to do. And so he he just tells the kid that wrote in the letter, yeah, just don't go in that barn. (laughs) I mean, good strategy. Like he fights awesome Andy for a while, realizes what's going on. And then finally he's just like, uh, don't go in that barn. It's very funny. The Serpent Society, meanwhile, is going around asking criminal organizations to hire them. They go talk to the Kingpin, then they go to AIM, and uh, AIM does hire them for some work, which we'll get to the next episode of this that we do. But but AIM, AIM wants them to do something. But then the final issue of 1985 is 312, which introduces a character that is very important to uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's Flag Smasher, baby. Matt, it's not just Flag Smasher. It is Flag Smasher and the organization that I am incredibly frustrated they are not using the name of on that show, which is, and this is one that I know off the top of my head because I love it so very much, it's the Underground Liberated Totally Integrated Mobile Army to Unite Mankind. That's right. It's Ultimatum. Mm, Yes. This flag smasher that's better than that's better than mental organism designed only for killing. It's (laughs) it's the best one in the entire Marvel universe. If you're only familiar with the flag smashers from Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, you're missing out, folks. Because the flag smashers from that show, I don't even quite understand what their philosophy is. I know that they hate countries. They they still do hate countries. But there's a big part of their philosophy about wanting to go back to the way things were during the blip. Right? I'm right about that, right? That's their deal? Because during the blip, there was so much chaos that had affected everyone that essentially all countries were working together to, like, deal with the problems. And now that everyone's back, like, old like nationalist stuff is is kind of rearing its head again. That is the the bit as I understand it. This flag smasher um fucking hates flags. Yeah, I mean the th- I mean, thing you got to give to Mark Grunewald is he is not the kind of coward who uses subtlety. I mean, look, he hates 
nations as well. He hates nationalism. He hates tribalism. He he wants people to come together as people. But he also hates fucking flags, because the first thing we see him do <laughs> is fly around on a flying motorcycle outside of the United Nations. And this actually is the United Nations. And he just smashes each flagpole for every country and knocks their flag down. Can't say that he didn't warn you. Brother hates flags. He does not care for flags, Matt. It's in the name. There's a thing that I want to read to you real quick. Okay. This is the next issue blurb at the end of the letter column for number 311. Yeah. Next issue. We were not content to just bring you Madcap, or Armadillo, or Bushmaster, the Asp, Diamondback, and Cottonmouth. We want you to witness the premiere of yet another daringly different new super foe for our Star-Spangled Avenger. He calls himself Flag Smasher, and his very mission dictates that Captain America become his greatest enemy. First of all, amazing. Second of all, that's how many new characters Grunewald just popped out in his first six months on the book. Yeah, man. Wild. In addition to attacking all the flags at the UN, Flag Smasher also attacks Acme Flag Company. Mm-hmm. And he says, Aha, a suitable target if I ever saw one. If I am to believe their advertisements, they are the largest manufacturer of American flags on the East Coast. <laughs> all right. He burns that motherfucker down. <laughs> I, I love how much d- how delighted you are to be talking about Flag Smasher. Matt. I love Flag Smasher. So... Here's Flag Smasher's deal. We find out his deal eventually. His dad was an ambassador. His dad was a diplomat. And he was very invested in world peace. His dad taught him martial arts uh, because they lived in Tokyo for a while. And uh, he used used to do diplomacy at the United Nations. But then, outside the Latvian embassy... There was a riot, and he was trampled in the melee. He says, why did you die? Because you loved the whole world, while others, all they care about was their petty little countries of their birth. And so with the vast fortune I inherited from you, you know, like diplomats have, I implemented my own way to bring peace and unity to the world. Your beliefs were absolutely correct, Father, but, I, but you went about sharing them far too passively, not me. All of that makes perfect sense. 100% perfect sense. Uh, Immediately after that, he goes and attacks what I think is the British embassy and uh, writes on on the walls of the building, in fire, abolish nationalism or die. It's a bold statement. Yeah. It's it's very bold. You can't take that away from him. It is absolutely bold. Elsewhere in this issue, Captain America gets a big old check in the mail. This is one of my favorite, like, absolute favorite bits of this entire run. It's such a genius way to shake up the status quo and to make Captain America make Captain America be able to live on the salary of a freelance comics artist. Yes, so it's, it's a check for almost a million dollars. And it's his back pay from being in the Army. So... He's got to figure out what to do with his money. He's like, you know, I don't need all this money for myself. I did go help a kid in Ohio last issue. Maybe I should, like, create some kind of 
communication system for myself where people can send me messages and I can go all over the country and help people. So here's what I'll do. I'll hire a bunch of people. I'll hire a phone answering service and I'll start like a special bank account for this money and I'll hire real estate people and telecommunications people and PR consultants to help me out. There's also a hilarious bit in this where he says, Captain America says PR, and then there's an asterisk next to that to let us know that it's public relations. Amazing. And Captain America decides, based on the advice of his public relations consultants, that he needs to have a big press conference to let everybody know that he's been far too focused on New York, and he's going to be the Captain America for the whole country now. He's going to help everybody all over the country. But, of course, Flag Smasher interrupts his big press conference. And it is awesome the way this is drawn. Paul Neary nails this shit. Captain America is speaking in his press conference. And you can see over his shoulder, through the window of the building, here comes Flag Smasher's fucking flying tripod motorcycle. (laughs) His flying (laughs) three-wheeler. And he just goes smashing through the window, and he just – he's first thing he says, first thing out of his mouth, America must die. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real way to get his, his peaceful thoughts out there. Yeah, and uh, he, he shoots the American flag behind Captain America. Hilarious. Uh, Honestly, hilarious. They fight for a while. There's pandemonium. Flag Smasher threatens the the crowd. By the way, Flag Smasher's costume. I was hoping you would talk about it, Matt. He's got uh, like a black. He looks a little bit like Space Ghost, actually. He does look like Space Ghost. He's got this like black hood with red eyes, and then the bulk of his costume and the like. The outer part of his cape is black. The inner part of his cape, the lining, is red. And his, but then, like the the main part of his costume is white, and then as his belt, he's got like a big, you know, dome shape on his belt, a big semicircle. It's a title belt. It's a my title dude belt. is rocking a title belt, and on the title belt is a a drawing of the world, because he cares about the world, not countries. Yeah. He doesn't like flags. He's okay with emblems. He's okay He's okay with maps. Although, hilariously, the map on his title belt is not of the whole world. It's of North and South America. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, what, is he going to do the fucking Mercator projection? Yes, it needs to be the full Mercator projection. Because that's the UN flag, Matt. He doesn't hate the UN. He hates the nations. He hates the flag. Oh, that's true. He does hate the flag. He hates the flag. Maybe it should be one of those big world maps from the front of the classroom. That wouldn't look great on a belt. But you know what? That's you know we can workshop it. It needs to be the whole world. That's my one note about Flag Smasher's costume. (laughs) So Flag Smasher and Captain America have a fight. Then they have a debate. Flag Smasher explains his philosophy about how countries are bad. Patriotism is outmoded. He wants to destroy the symbols of nationalism. 
he he must demolish anything that has to do with nations. He says, I am not against America in particular. I am against all countries. I am against the very concept of countries. I believe all men are brothers, sprung from the same primal parent tribalism, eth- ethnicism, nationalism. These are all latter-day concepts that our nuclear-powered world have become outmoded and dangerous. And hilariously, the crowd is like, hey, stop saying shit about America. <laughs> it's very funny. Like, cause I, which I love. Because at one point, like at one point, he's like, "Hey, Captain America, stop moving!" Or I, one step closer, and I will shoot indiscriminately into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a. Uh, eventually, somebody in the crowd goes, "Go back to Russia, you commie!" Yes. And Flag Smasher, in a truly hilarious, beautiful moment, says, "What? I'm not a communist. Weren't you listening to me? I hate the Soviet Union as much as America." <laughs> it's so good. It's. <laughs> Like that, that's that's what I was getting at when I was talking about how square he writes Captain America. Everybody else is hilarious. Yeah, like Flag Smasher is so he's so exasperated that everyone he's talk he's talking to is just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, they none of them get it because he's a very high concept villain. Right, he doesn't hate America; he hates countries. Wait a second, but you crashed through the window and said America must die. And he's like, yeah, okay, yes, America must die. But so should all other countries. Yeah, like, do, do you get it? No? Finally, Captain America, uh, like, breaks his wrist and destroys the gun that he threatened everybody with. Uh, and, and knocks out Flag Smasher. And he gives a speech that's like... There's nothing wrong with having a national sense of identity. America is made up of a multitude of ethnic groups, and each has had its own contribution to American culture. We must be proud of our heritage and our background. All human beings have the same wants and needs and deserve the same respect and dignity, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have countries. So, like, he finds a way to... This is very... Good, I think, tightrope walking by Grunwald to say, like, yes, Flag Smasher had a point, but he took it way too far. Like, yes, everybody deserves dignity, but also cultural heritage is important. So that that last Captain America speech, I think, threads the needle. It's it's very good. Like, everything I didn't like about the armadillo issue— having an unsatisfactory resolution to the conflict. I love about this flag smasher issue. It's yeah. Cause it's, it's the acknowledgement that no one gets him. Yes. And he does not understand why it's so hard for them to understand. It's good. And a good way to end 1985. A interesting start far from the best stuff that we're going to see, but a pretty a pretty interesting start. I mean, like, a ton of new villains, a whole new status quo, getting rid of a bunch of stuff that had been a part of the book for a long time, including uh, uh, Bernie Rosenthal herself. Just a lot going on. Well, Bernie Rosenthal is still here, but things are changing. Yeah, th- things are things rapidly are changing. changing. 
Nomad has been taken off the stage. I was going to say that we were going to do like a shorter stint of issues to start and then go annually after this. But after talking about these six issues, I'm thinking maybe we do six issues at a time. It it might be worth it. And maybe we like we figure out where to break it because we kind of have to do like all the super Patriot stuff. Like we don't want to stop in the middle of the super Patriot stuff. We don't want to stop. We don't want to stop before we get to cap three fifty. Like that, that needs to be the end of an episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out where we go from here. I don't think we can do whole years at a time, given how much we had to say about these six issues. Probably not. They're, so, they're, they're dense. 80s Marvel comics. Boy, oh boy. There's so much happening. Like, I didn't realize how much it added to the time to read a comic just to have the thought balloons in there. I feel like the thought balloons added so much more to read in these issues. It's it's true. It is true. All right, folks. We're going to do another one of these next month. If you would like to get in touch with us about... An Every Story Ever list, a listener question, you have something to say about these Grunewald issues, or you want to get in touch with us about something else, hit us up at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. Also, uh, you can ask us questions on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Also, check out our website, which is warrocketajax.com. That is where you can find every episode of the show dating back to 2009, but you don't have to go back that far. Five years ago is probably fine. You can also find the Every Story Ever list the panel president list and a link to warrocketwiki.com there. Warrocket Wiki is the fan run repository of all things Warrocket Ajax and you can find tons of cool stuff there including the great indoor fight bracket that is ongoing. Now we've reached the part of the show where we tell you all the different places you can find us online. For me, all you have to do is go to mattdwilson.net to find links to all my stuff, my books, my comics, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and you will find links to everything that I do if you go there, and you can read stuff and listen to stuff. It's, it's all there. It's all there. That'll do it, everybody. We hope you liked us talking about these Mark Grunewald comics. Yeah, if you have not read them, uh, they're all the, – the entire run is on Unlimited. Uh, I also believe if you if you want to shell out – great deal of money for uh 10 years worth of comics i do believe they are uh in the epic collections now uh at least some of it and probably a lot of what we're going to be talking about soon given the nature of of media <laughs> see you next week have a great week everybody we love you black lives matter trans rights Stay on. Let every breed of mongrel live together.